This is The Shakeout. My name is Michael Doyle. I am the editor of Canadian Running Magazine. And with me today, we've got staff writer Tim Hubsch. Great to be back. It is nice to have you back, Tim. Just like the good old days of many episodes ago. We've been busy telling stories quite a bit lately, um, which we're pretty excited about with uh, podcast producer Joan Chung. On this week's podcast, we chat with Canadian running favorite, 213 marathoner who has represented Canada multiple times. He's, in my opinion, a pioneering blogger about running. He's got a great podcast, aptly called The Rob Watson Show. And of course, we chatted with him. Rob Watson will be on the show today. And we'll do recommendations. We haven't done recommendations in a long time. Tim and I will do recommendations. We're back. We are back. All right, Rob Watson, welcome to The Shakeout. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. So first things first, iteration one of The Rob Watson Show went on for quite some time, and you had a co-host as well, and it was a pretty specific type of podcast where you talked about kind of everything. Tell us a little bit about why you ended it, why you started it up again, and what it's like now. Yeah, um, I suppose initially, yeah, with me and my my best bud, Eric Spence, and you know, it all started from just a drunken conversation one night and decided to start a podcast. He hadn't run. I knew quite a bit about running. So that was kind of just grew from him doing his first training, um, just being completely naive to the whole running world and kind of him learning about it. And him, you know, Eric was very funny and sarcastic and he provided the entertainment. And, uh, you know, we went through about 77 episodes. So it started with him through his running journey. And then it kind of transitioned into me trying to qualify for the 2016 Olympics in Rio. And the show kind of just came to a natural end after the London Marathon in 2016 when I failed to hit the qualifying time for the Olympics. So it's kind of like, all right, well, this has kind of run its course. Uh, Eric just had a, had a baby. You know, life was crazy. Uh, and it was, just, you know, it was a good time to kind of stop. So that was the end of, I call it season one, even though season one had 77 episodes. So <laughs> it was kind of broken down into segments within season one, but those were the Eric Spence years. And I, I enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun because it was, it was also just a great way to, you know, keep connected with one of my best buds who, you know, lived halfway around the world. And then, so it, it stopped for a couple years. And then the main, I mean, I started, I decided to start it back up again, basically because I just missed it. I enjoyed doing the podcast and I enjoyed interacting and talking with people in the running world and talking about running. And a lot of people, you know, they would say, you should start the podcast again. You should start the podcast again. And then finally I said, you know what, maybe I'll just start the podcast again. I was, I don't know, maybe I had some time on my hands or something. And it just kind of decided something to do. It's kind of a little hobby of mine. Yeah. So just started and and this this season two it's it, it is different it's mainly just me trying to talk to some of my running friends about running and stuff it's definitely not nearly as polished or as entertaining or as good as season one but it's still fun for me and I get to talk to running friends get to talk about running and yeah it's you know what I'm a giant running nerd so if I get to talk about running it's 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 all good man was it trickier being a solo host rather than having another person right there kind of going back and forth with yeah, man, it sucks being a solo host. There's so much more work to do. Like before when I do it, what I do is I rec- Eric and I would have a conversation and I would record it and I'd send him off to do all the production and, and everything. And now being a solo host, I got to do all the work and I got to try to like 
kind of interview people, which I've never done because Eric ran the first show. Like he kind of steered the conversation and he was, you know, he was witty and on it. And like, you know, he, he just, so when there was a lull, Eric would fill dead time. And now that's my job. And sometimes it is awkward. Yeah. I'm not as funny or as witty as Eric. So I miss him. I miss him a lot, but it's, it's, I, I feel like I'm starting to kind of get my, my feet under me and I'm starting to kind of get the rhythm of how things work. So it's coming along. It's, it's a growing, it's, I'm, I'm still in my growing phase. Like you guys were talking about with, with the shakeout here, you know, you learn as you go and you kind of iron out the kinks. And I think I'm starting to iron out the kinks. So it's just all about me staying on it and then not procrastinating and actually putting out content, which can be, which can be difficult sometimes. But yeah, I mean, I may, I may sound like I'm being negative here, but I, I love it. It's, it. It is a lot of fun. It's something I enjoy doing. So let's talk a little bit about the last year and a half. As you just alluded to, you were chasing down that Olympic dream for a really long time and unfortunately didn't pan out. And the last big marathon you did was was London, uh, where you ran a 218, trying to get that Olympic standard. How's the last year and a half been? And I mean, I know you haven't like walked away from running per se. You're still super involved in it with the podcast and also you're still running and that sort of thing. So tell us a little bit about the last year, year, year and a half in the life of uh, Rob Watson. Yeah, I guess when I when I kind of stopped running, I was transitioning into more and more coaching with Dylan Wikes and Wild and Marathon here in Vancouver and, and abroad here. We have a great group of people. I'm coaching a bunch of athletes and it's just something I really, really enjoy doing, helping guide runners and help people chase PBs. Um, when I first started coaching, it's just like anything, you know, trying to find your feet. I knew a lot about running, but I didn't know a lot about how to interact with people or, or you know, maybe I was naive with the fact that people have jobs and lives and he was like, no, just go run. I mean, no excuses, get the work done. So I've, I've learned from that and I feel like I'm growing as a coach, which, which is fun and just, you know, enjoying the running scene out here in Vancouver, my own running. I took a lot of time off to kind of, you know, disengage and, and, and decompress from, from what was going on because there was a few years there where it was, it was stressful. It was full on. Just like every run I went out to is like, I have to be training towards this Olympic goal. I have every workout. I was like, I have to be hitting these paces. I have to be doing this. And it was, I enjoyed the process, but it was very stressful. So when I was able to kind of step back, I really enjoyed having that. But then I just got out of shape and really kind of lost focus. And I didn't like being out of shape. So I've started to get back into the running a little bit. I did the New York City Marathon in 2000. 16 and it was a disaster because I didn't I trained like an idiot I just thought yeah I've run fast marathons before how hard could this be and then I realized how hard it could be by not training properly and trying to run the New York City Marathon it was it's a terrible experience the race itself was awesome physically I had a terrible experience and yeah I've been getting back into running actually fairly seriously recently because another thing it's just it's just I miss it just like I missed my podcast like I tried to get back into the in the real world I got like a semi-real job and it was with a great organization doing some cool stuff, but I just didn't like the work. So I've just got back into running, really focusing on the coaching and really just enjoying it. I'm I'm in a cool place right now. I got engaged. Yes, I found a lady who puts up with my shit. So we're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna marry her. I put a ring on it. And that's really, really cool too. Just uh yeah, I feel like I have really good balance with my life and I'm happy, man. Tell us a little bit about the coaching is like what's been surprising about learning how to be a coach and working with all sorts of different runners, not just like crazy elite people. <laughs> yeah, it's something I actually I really enjoy. It's it's in, I enjoy the personal coaching because runners come from all different. They're all different backgrounds, all different shapes and sizes, all different abilities. And uh, 
I think I've found that with my coaching, like I don't care how fast runners are. I care about their level of commitment and their buy-in to what they're doing. I've, you know, I've had athletes who come in and, and, you know, they talk a big talk and then when it's time to do work, they don't do work. And I just have a hard time connecting with that. But I have athletes, you know, and they're, they could be trying to do anything. I don't, I don't care. It's as long as they're committed to chasing their goals. You know, if I have someone who's trying to run a five hour marathon, you know, if they're out there putting in the work and, and doing, and doing what's necessary, then I really, really jive with that. And I really appreciate that. And just trying to deal with different personalities and learning from athletes because every athlete, you know, ticks in a different way. And I've really enjoyed that process of getting to know people. And, you know, when you're a coach-athlete relationship, it's, it's, it's teamwork and it's, it's you're in it together. So you have to be on the same page and you have to realize, you know, you, they have to understand you, you have to understand them. And, you know, the better the bond you have with an athlete, the better the athlete's going to be. I know that picking an athlete's probably like picking a favorite kid, but do you have one or two successes that you want to give a shout out to with athletes? Just, you know, normal, regular people that you've worked with over the last year and you've seen a huge breakthrough. I've had lots of athletes and every athlete we've got, we've had great, great stories and, you know, we've gone through ups and downs, but I think a, a big one was when I started working with my buddy out here named Tyler, Tyler Rogers. And his big thing was trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon. He had tried several times before he'd gone down to a 309 marathon and he was you know a little discouraged and it was you know it was like all right man you know what like we got to get this work done and and during his process and just the transformation of physically and mentally as he was going through our training block together and then him going out there and he went down to the eugene marathon last year and he ran 301 and got his boston marathon qualifying and it was just a very emotional process the whole way. And for him to actually, you know, go out there and crush it and succeed on race day, that was a very big highlight of my coaching career. It's just because I could tell how hard he wanted it and how bad he wanted it. And day to day, I could see the work he was putting in. And I knew he was ready to go. And and for him to actually execute on race day and just crush his race was it was Man, I get into these races. I'll be on the I'll, I'll be on the computer on Sunday morning following races. Like I I used to follow these major races and, and look at the the winners and the elites. And I can't remember like because now I'm just in there following my own athletes. I don't even know what's going on in the elite race. And that was a huge one. I've probably got I've probably got like six or seven people going to Boston this year. Or like and a bunch of them are all trying for that right around that three hour marathon mark. So it's been a lot of fun there. And even just even just getting people to, you know, it's from the marathon, obviously a lot of marathoners, but you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I had a guy who started training with him named Dan and his thing was he wanted to run a sub 25 K and he came in and he was a 21 minute guy. And again, seeing how hard he's been working and seeing the focus and the determination and the grit and he was ready to do it, but it's hard to find a 5k race. So a couple of weeks ago, we just jumped on the track and I paced him and he ran 1944 and it was awesome because he ran a 1944 5k and afterwards he was lying on the infield about to throw up. And I was like, yeah, that's what it's all about, man. Like that guy pushed himself. He mentally and physically committed and he, he achieved a goal. And it's really, really cool when you can see the athletes and how much it means to them. So you just mentioned Dylan Wykes, one of the fastest marathoners in Canadian history. And, you know, you guys and Recool said Eric Gillis sort of formulated this group in the last few years that really pushed the boundaries of men's marathoning in Canada. Where do you see the future for kind of beyond 5,000, 10,000 meters? It's, it's looking a little bit murky right now. What, what are you thinking about what shape the marathon is in right now in Canada? Yeah, in Canada, the marathon's in not very good shape. On the men's side and the women's side, it seems a whole lot stronger. Um, a lot of up-and-coming women, a lot of women running very fast times. And on the men's side, it's pretty it's 
pretty it is it's 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 Gillis and Reed have just been at it for it was it was funny I was just watching your coverage of the uh, cross country championships and it was funny Eric Gillis came second place 10 years apart because he was second in 2007 and the second in 2017 Eric Gillis is someone I look up to a ton and I think I could see him going for a couple more years cool sets you know no no signs of slowing down so those guys i think they're gonna be the top two for an, another couple of years and hoffer obviously had a he, he had a decent debut at 218s nothing to scoff at he needs to get better but he's he's showing he's showing definitely he's got the tools and he's he's in the right environment to succeed because i think dave scott thomas is a fantastic marathon coach and i think being in guelph is will be good for him but man like there's not a lot going on past that. Like we don't have a lot of fast track guys coming up through the marathon distance because I feel like if we want to get people running 212, 213, 214 in the marathon, these guys have to be 1340, 1350, 20, 28 minute 10K guys. And we don't have a lot of those guys kicking around moving up to the marathon. I don't know what to say. I don't know how it looks. <laughs> I, I hope it can get better. I think I got another 217, 218 in my legs, but that's not whatever. That's not the future. We need we need new blood absolutely, and I don't think I don't see anyone like Luke Rochette moving up to the marathon. Justin Knight's super young, and he won't be moving up to the marathon anytime soon. I'm interested to see what Evan Esselnick can do out of Guelph because he's he's with Hofbauer and he's got that shorter distance chops. Hopefully, hopefully I'm wrong and something and something happens and these people run fast. But right now, I don't know. I'm not super optimistic about it. Yeah, you just said that you feel like you got another like 217 or 218 in your legs. How do you get fired up for that? How do you get motivated? Do you become just like a super good version of an age grouper who's like, okay, I want to break this time or I have this goal or whatever? Like, I guess, how does Rob Watson get himself motivated to train really hard for a spring race, for example? That's a good question. And you know what? It's something I'm actually very excited about because like I was saying before, there was those years there where I was just so focused and so streamlined on that 212 number and that's all I thought about now when I'm getting back into my running and I'm doing my running I'm able to um the training is based off kind of how my body feels and and the effort I put into it I'm not super obsessed with numbers I'm not obsessed with hitting certain splits I'm kind of listening to my body and I got so out of shape that you know I was probably like a you know a 75 minute half marathon runner so the progress has been very very fun to follow and as my body as I keep getting stronger and I keep getting fitter so I know I'm not going to be able to run a 212 or a 213 or a 214 because I'm not capable of putting in the training I did before to get there. But I think, you know, it's like I'm just enjoying I've always enjoyed the, the act of running. I've always loved just going out for a run. And, you know, with running, it's all about just consistency and putting in the work. And I've been putting in the work for the last couple of months and the, and the fitness is coming back. You know, right now I'm probably in about 67 minute half marathon shape. I ran 68 minutes a couple like six weeks ago, I think, or something like that. And I'm probably in about 222 marathon shape, but every run I go out there and I feel like I'm getting stronger and I feel like I'm getting fitter. And I'm just, I'm just excited about that because I'm enjoying it and I feel, I feel like I'm getting fit and I feel like I'm getting fast and there's nothing like going out there and just pushing yourself hard and running hard. And like when I finish a workout and I'm, and I'm knackered, I don't really care about how fast I was running. I care about how hard I was running and that feeling of just getting out there and pushing yourself hard. So, you know, right now, if I ran a 218 marathon, I would be stoked because it's 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 the process to get there that really enjoys me so yeah man i just i just love running and uh, it's something i'll always do i heard that reed Coolset for a bit was considering uh maybe getting into ultras or just anything above the marathon have you ever considered doing that or any trail races or just kind of stuff uh, away from the roads yeah you know i i look at that kind of stuff as i do that for 
fun, kind of. Like, I, I dig trail racing. Um, well, I don't actually dig trail racing. I dig trail running. I'm too, I'm too uncoordinated. Just, like, watching YouTube videos of people run downhill that fast, like, I I'd break myself. It's, it's terrifying. I've gone for a few trail runs with friends, and, you know, going uphill, I can handle it. This is when they, they just go downhill and go flying. So no desire to do any sort of trail-type stuff, but, you know, kudos to those who do. And ultras, the thing about an ultra... I, I get it. I mean, it's cool to go and run far, but I, I, I'm more concerned about running fast. Like, I don't want to sound like a dick, but I, I would have no problems running 100 kilometers. That's just, it's something I know I could do. I've gone for 50 kilometer runs. They're not that hard. I would, I, I would much rather try to run fast. I think running fast is sexy. I think running far is just, it's just not super exciting for me, to be honest. <laughs> I, would, I, like, I like opening the stride. I like giving ear all and I like running fast. Who are your favorite runners in the scene right now? Who are the people that you get most excited following or people you think that are really fun in the running scene that are kind of bringing the Rob Watson attitude to running? Yeah, well, I was I was super stoked for Luke to go out there and do what he did at, at Cross Nationals because I, I love when people just go for it and throw down and just, and just be aggressive in races. I'm not a huge fan of sitting and kicking. I'm a fan of just getting out there and throwing down, mainly because I didn't have a kick. I never had a kick, so I had to break people early. But I, I was happy to see Luke do that and i'm a big fan of luke because that kid works so hard and he's he's a grafter he's a grinder and uh you know that guy got screwed over by a shoe company so i'm hoping somebody picks him up um but he's he's just a hard-working kid who loves the sport so i really enjoy luke Burchette. i'm super excited about <laughs> right uh just a night obviously what more can you say about that kid he's so talented and he's he's like the nicest most humble kid and he's he's gonna be really really good but you know what the, the people who, who get me really excited are, are actually cool sad and gillis because those guys they're a couple years older than me but they're still throwing down and they're still doing work and i was thinking about this the other day i was thinking about reed and, and gillis and i find that with myself i've often put restrictions like in my head like things like trying to convince myself when I'm like why I can't do something or you know why why I'm no longer as fast as I was or whatever but like these guys I just don't think they they, they just believe in themselves and absolute belief in themselves and it's just seeing them continuously pump out results year after year is very inspiring and also I was thinking of the day when I used to train at Guelph and just how I think the best you know I've run with lots of really good runners and I've, I've run with some amazing people in my career but I think Eric Gillis He's the best trainer I've ever seen. Just the way that guy goes about the process of his running and how he spreads out his efforts and how he takes care of his body. And that guy is just a model of consistency and hard work and focus. And so, you know, Gillis, he's he's a three-time Olympian. He's done some amazing things. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves in this sport. But that guy is probably between him and Cool Set. Those are the two dudes I look up to the most in this sport. And how do you feel now, looking back with different vantage point now in 2017, going into 2018? How do you feel about the AC's standards for the marathon? How they've managed things over the last couple of Olympic cycles? Because those were the cycles that you were trying to be a part of yourself. What do you think about that 212 number and how they're sort of managing things now? I like the shifts that AC have made, and I think that they've made it more accessible to, um, you know, I don't know, I don't want to say fringe, because fringe and, and Olympics doesn't seem like they go hand in hand, but, you know, just giving people the opportunity to to achieve their dreams. And I never understood how the fact that there's these IAAF standards and Athletics Canada felt the need to do anything with that. Like, the IAAF set these standards for as 
corrupt and terrible as the IAAF is, those standards were pretty fair. And I just didn't understand Athletics Canada's need to, sh- to tweak them. You know, when I was running, they obviously made it 2.12, and it, it was what it was. And I'm happy to see that they've they've kind of gone back, and now they're just going to accept IAAF times because that gives people the chance to do awesome things. That gives people like Hofbauer, you know, that, that carrot to chase. For myself, the Olympics was like the pinnacle, and this something I've always wanted to do and something I dreamed about doing. And it's it's cool that now it seems it's more attainable and other athletes will get the chance and it'll be something they can do. But I think only the marathon was really affected by that because in shorter distances, it was pretty close. But yeah, within the marathon, which is my which is the sport I love the most, I'm, ha- I'm very happy to see what Athletics Canada has done. I think Athletics Canada has done some good things over the last couple of years. Um, now that I'm more out of the sport and I can look at it and see just kind of everything like there's nobody's always going to be happy. Athletics Canada, they've come a long way, I believe, with taking care of the athletes because before I felt like they were mainly taking like the administrative people. They were trying to protect their own asses and it came at the compromising the athletes. But now I feel like it's more athlete centered, which is what we need. The athletes aren't there to protect the administrators jobs. The administrators are there to look out for the athletes. Let's drag you out of the fire of that one hot take and throw you into another one. <laughs> so you mentioned before that Luke Bruchette got dropped by ASICs. You've had your ups and downs over your running career with brands as well. Where do you think that's all at right now? I mean, you had and still have a really big social media following. I think you do everything that a brand would love to have their athlete do. You had the blog for a million years. You're like kind of a pioneer of blogging in the running world. And people loved it way outside of Canada. It was like had a huge following outside of Canada. Now you've got the podcast as well going into a second iteration, kind of backed by popular demand. But nevertheless, you've been dropped by brands in the past and you saw what Luke just went through. Like, where do you think this is all going? The athlete brand relationship. Yeah. And thank you for the kind words about my blog. I think there was, there's been a disconnect between athletes and, and their brands because I find a big part of it is these brands have these marketing people who know dick all about running. They're just happen to have a marketing degree and work for a running company. And I don't think they know how to utilize the athletes. In a, in a proper way you work in a running store and you'll see like this catalog come in of all this running gear and like the models are just like who are these people like you just paid this model thousands of dollars to model your clothes and you have these athletes who sponsor it's just you're not utilizing them properly and i feel like it's, it's weird i felt i've always felt like sponsors don't utilize their athletes in a way that could be beneficial to both the athlete and the sponsor you know get get the athlete out there more and utilize them more beyond just trying to run fast. And it's it's changed in the last few years, obviously, with social media and the way that works. And then it kind of shifted from we don't care how fast you run, we just want to make sure you have following on social media and cool Instagram and stuff. So <laughs> I feel like it may be coming back a little bit and striking that balance between fast runners and providing value for the for the brand. Obviously, it's a business, and these brands have to have value for it's an investment. And I feel like, but that sometimes that's. Uh, that can be a hindrance also where it's way too business focused. But yeah, it, it sucks seeing athletes going out there and, and giving it them all and doing things right. And, and they're at the mercy of these brands who are just looking at bottom lines in business. I don't know how to fix it. I can maybe I just sound like a grumpy old man here <laughs> complaining. But uh, yeah, I think I think that um, it's just a disconnect between the brand and, and the athlete and just the lack of communication or whatnot or just people who don't know anything about running having to work for running companies but the sponsorship especially in Canada it it, would be disheartening seeing these world-class athletes fighting for peanuts from these from these shoe companies who are you know just 
Man, I mean, am, I, am I putting myself in a hole here? Um, no, I guess whatever. you're not going after any sponsorships, so you're. You know. No, no, you know it's 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 nice being in a place where I don't have to worry about sponsorships anymore because you got to watch your tongue and what you say. But I've worked with, you know what? I should say that I've worked with some great companies. I did, or I worked with other companies who were just like, man, this is what are you guys even doing? <laughs> so it, it goes both ways. It's not all bad. I should say that. I don't want to sound too negative. It's not all bad. There are companies out there who have a good finger on the pulse, but other companies do not. Um, I hope Luke, I hope he can find a good relationship that, with a company that actually can provide him the support he deserves because this guy is someone that young athletes look up to and people are, they're going to get value from just supporting an athlete like Luke. And Luke is, he's young, he's fast, he's only going to get better. You know what, this this guy's going to be Olympics. Who cares about how many Instagram followers someone else has? This guy is embodies running. And if you're a running brand, support a runner. Let's end on a on a happy note. Let's talk about the wedding. When are you getting married? Is your fiance a runner? And are you going to run on your wedding day? <laughs> Do I, I feel like I sound like a jaded old grump. I, I'm so I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. But this is something that's very positive. July fourteenth, two thousand eighteen. Coming fast. Oh yeah. I'm you know I'm sitting in my apartment right now. I'm just looking at wedding stuff. My fiance Genevieve. She's not a runner. It's just good. I always dated runners and, and like she's like the first non-runner that I've dated and and it's 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 interesting. I I'm not gonna say it's it's good or bad. It's just it is what it is and she's she's the love of my life, so and that's that's all that matters there. But um yeah, so it's coming. We're getting married here in Vancouver. Friends and friends and family coming out. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Well, am I gonna run on my wedding day? I think so, because I've always been one to I'll I'll probably be stressed, I'll probably be anxious and it'll be nice to get a run out and, and flush the legs is Running is a, and it's an amazing thing. You can use it for many different things, and it's a great stress release. And I reckon I'll be pretty stressed on the day of my wedding because it's a pretty big day in a young man's life. Well, good luck on that day, and I'm sure we'll be chatting with you before that day happens. Uh, but thanks for chatting with us today, Rob. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time to chat with me. Have a great day. Now it's time for our recommendations Tim, what do you recommend to the good people listening to this podcast? So we recently got in a new headlamp. It's called the Black Diamond Sprinter headlamp. Anytime running in, in the city or any basically anywhere you are, even with tree lights out, it's always good to have a headlamp just to, so you're visible to the cars and other people around you. This one in particular has a, a really strong battery life. It's also USB chargeable. Uh, it has a backlight too, which uh, automatically comes on when you turn it on. So for people coming in, approaching you from the rear, you know, uh, they'll be able to see you. So if there's trails in your city or if you're doing a night run in a non, not well lit neighborhood, this is a, a good option. So I think it's around a hundred bucks. Pretty typical. I think of a, a more high end headlamp, especially one that's USB rechargeable. So yeah, that's my recommendation for this week. Definitely buy a quality headlamp. I think there are a lot of cheaper ones out there, but a good headlamp is worth that hundred bucks, I would say. And fun fact, and this this is a testament to how good that headlamp was. Tim was out testing it the other day in front of our office, and what happened? A cyclist got angry at me that I had it basically facing eye level, which is where it's supposed to be facing. Apparently, I blinded her. So, yeah, it goes to show you how bright it is. She was angry. And it has multiple settings. So if you are running in the city, you can dim it down a bit just to be respectful for people around you, or you can go full blast like I was doing disrespectfully, apparently. <laughs> So the, the criticism of it is, is it works too well. It's too bright. You can see too much. People can see you. And that's the and black, they get angry at and you. And that's the black diamond. 
black diamond sprinter headlamp. My recommendation is also, it's a gear recommendation as well. I have on my feet right now, fresh off of a lunchtime run, the upcoming Saucony Convera 9, which uh, features their Everrun midsole. It's their new, fancy new midsole technology, very similar to the Adidas Boost technology. I believe as well, um, if I'm not mistaken, Brooks has also made a very similar technology in their midsole as well now. So this is sort of the trend. The industry is going in that direction. It's a very soft, bouncy, pliable, and also very resilient material. And I really like it. And I just really like the shoe. I've always liked the Convera. I've always found it to be a, a remarkably comfortable kind of set it and forget it shoe. You put it on, you go for the very first run, they feel very good. They're very light. They don't last a super long amount of time. And that's how they keep them on the lighter side. But fantastic shoe for quicker workouts, for tempo runs, or if you just don't mind burning through a pair of shoes, they are fine for wearing every day, I think, at least for me. If, if you're a fan of the 8, you'll certainly be a fan of the 9. Oh, yeah. If you're a, if you're a Convara fan, you're going to adore these. I think they're maybe best Convara ever. Fair statement. All right. Thanks very much, Tim. Thank you. Thanks for listening this week. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Shakeout Podcast. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, do us a favor and review us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. And if you uh, give us a review, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read it in a future episode as a way of saying thanks. But be sure to review us, please. It, it helps us with our rating, and that would be really appreciated. Also, we have, of course, Canadian Running Magazine, our print edition, as well as an iPad edition. So if you want to read us in print or digitally on your phone or iPad or tablet, any device, be sure to uh, pick us up at newsstands or subscribe to the magazine. You can find a link in our show notes to subscribe as well as it's of course on our website. And finally, we'd like to thank the Ontario Media Development Corporation for their contribution to this podcast.